of weeks now since I announced that I would be retiring. Uh, when our church calls its next pastor, I have been reaching back over the last 40 plus years and asking God to help me to draw from some very significant lessons, things I've learned along the way. And so I've just called this series Lessons. And hopefully they are, you know, from what I'm hearing from you all, these are, these are things that God is using to, to help you uh, take the next step and, and learn the lesson. There's a couple of ways to learn a lesson, if you be honest. You can learn the hard way and the easy way. How many of you know about the hard way? I, last week I told you the lesson I had learned about how to open the cardboard soda pop case and, and how, how Kathy, you know, taught me that from the middle is the way to go and I like the end and you heard the story about the projectiles and soda pop going everywhere, exploding cans. Well, on the way home, Kathy reminded me of another lesson I had learned. Uh, I uh, had to go back. I, at first, when she said this lesson, I had kind of wiped it from my mind, but I don't like to spend any more money than I have to. And, and so when my kids were kind of young, they wanted to go to Cedar Point. Who doesn't love to go to Cedar Point? And so I found some coupons. Somebody said there's coupons on a particular soda pop uh, and the two liter plastic. And, and I, I went and bought some of that stuff and I, I took it home. And, and I didn't, I had not yet learned the lesson that they intended you to take the coupon off after the bottle was empty. And so I got a, a lovely sharp knife, uh, a, a little razor blade knife, and, and I was sitting there at the kitchen table and I was just very carefully, becoming the thought had entered my mind that this could have ended badly and I was cutting it off and yeah, it blew up and, and Kathy heard it, came running in. She said, the funniest thing was not me sitting there just soaked in, in pop, uh, but that I had this look of disbelief, like, how did this happen? <laughs> and, and yes, I did get the coupon, did I not, honey? Yes. And all that to say this, you can learn a lesson here. You can say, make a note. Do not use a razor blade to cut a coupon off a full two-liter soda pop bottle, plastic. Uh, that could be, or you could just disregard this lesson, and the next time they put Cedar Point discount tickets on there, you, you can do what I did, and then you'll remember, oh, I should have learned that lesson. So that's the intent here, if I can be just very blunt with you. We're just trying to keep you from having soda pop blow up in your home. Uh, Powerful stuff here. This is life-changing. So today, I want to talk to you in this lesson series about something that, that I have learned the hard way, and I've had to relearn it a few times. It's about the pace of life. Uh, and I, I've called this, it's all about the pace. Almost any time you get yourself in trouble and you do something dumb, the pace, the pace of life comes into play. It is a, a big, big deal. And so to get started, how many of you would say, just to be brutally honest, how many of you would be willing to say that a time or two in your life you have found yourself to be a little bit too busy? Would you raise your hand? Okay, look around. I want you to see. Come on, look around. 
You can put them down now. Uh, I want you to know you're not alone. We've all felt that way. And I think there are two or three people who did not raise their hand. Uh, they are probably from Iowa or someplace where the pace is a lot different or they're not listening or they're liars. Uh, <laughs> not sure which. But uh, the impact of busyness, the impact of business is, is, is a huge issue in pace of life. Uh, it's, it's obvious today you see in a number of our team is, is wearing these Akron Marathon Relay t-shirts. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But I, I, I first wanted to tell you that the pace of a marathon is different from the pace of a 100-meter, 200-meter sprint or a 400-meter. A marathon pace is a sustainable pace. And yes, in life, there are times when you got to you got to kick in the 100-meter sprint speed. But to be sustainable in your marriage, in your relationships, as a parent, in child raising children, at work, the, the, the key is pace. It's all about the pace. Uh, let me maybe make this last connection, because uh, this comes into mind. I, we lived this for a while with three kids. But some of you getting ready to go to church today, uh, you had a moment where you looked around and thought, my goodness, we are going to church to worship Jesus. It, it feels like the great tribulation period right now. It's chaos going on. Hurry up, we gotta go worship Jesus, quick. Get to the car, go, go, go. And maybe you guys have never fought on the way to church. Is there anybody be honest enough to say, we've been stressed out and we fought on the way to church or before church? There's extra rewards for you in heaven if you'll be honest about this. Would you raise your hand? Just get it off your heart. Get it on. Kathy? Have we ever fought on the way to church? Never. Never. She, she just said never, if you didn't hear that. Uh, that. That is, make a note. Lying is one of her biggest sins, by the way. Make a note, lesson, do not say that in front of a crowd about your wife, okay? <laughs> Today, here's the lesson I have learned. It's going to take me two weeks to really cover this, but it's all about the pace. And to make sure we're seeing this issue of pace from God's perspective, I want to start in your notes with the first passage of Scripture from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28. And I just love I, I love to hear God's people read his word publicly, out loud. It, it just, it, it's almost like the highlight of the service for me. And, and so let's join our hearts and our voices together as one, and let's read this verse. These, these are the words of Jesus. This, we should sit up and take note here. Here's what Jesus says about pace of life. Matthew 11, join me. Then Jesus said, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you I, I don't know about you. There have been a few times when I've felt like I was carrying a heavy burden. There have been times when I felt weighted down and weary and tired. Jesus said, if you come to me, I'm going to give you rest for your soul. Now, Either Jesus was telling the truth about this, or he wasn't. If, if Jesus was telling the truth, 
then the life of faith, the life of walking with Christ, the, 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 the life of doing life at the pace he ordains for your life, that, that he sets for you, must be a life that allows for times to rest your soul. He will give you rest for your soul. And, and if the truth would be totally revealed here today, there are many periods in our life when we do not feel that rest. And, and one of two things is true. Either Jesus lied about that, or we're doing something wrong. D does that make sense? And, and, and listen, I am not going to sit here today and give you a long list of thou shalt nots. Don't do this. Bad. Don't do this. Bad, 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 bad. Because most of the stuff that we are doing is not bad. It's we're doing good things or benign. They're not good or bad. They're just things that consume us and create a pace where we don't have time left to do the good things. The things that are the most important. And so let's get started with this lesson. It's all about the pace. Here's the way I want to articulate this and, and get this across today. Number one, slow your pace down so you don't miss what's important. I'm going to give you a couple of different stories in, in God's Word, very specific to, to the issue of pace and, and how Jesus managed the pace. Uh, uh, the, his own life, just completely pressed by everyone wanting a piece of him. And, and so the, the first story is found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. From that chapter, verse 32 says this, but he, Jesus, kept on looking around to see who had done it. Done what? What's this talking about? You see, in the story, Jesus had arrived after a, a brief right across the Sea of Galilee into a community. He got out and immediately was met at the docks by uh, the leaders of the community, in particular, uh, a guy who was a leader in the religious community. And he met him at the docks and he said, please, come, help me. I've got a daughter who's sick. I need you to come quickly. I need you to come with me. She needs you, Jesus. And Jesus said, yes, I'll, I'll do that. And this is, you can read this whole passage. I hope you'll read them all, verses 21 through verse number 42. But they begin to walk to the house, and the Bible tells us that everywhere around them, the crowd was pressing upon him. And so there's a parade that begins, and people are everywhere, and they're walking. And a woman in the crowd, now here's the part I want you to understand. She is not a big personality. She's not a leader. She, she's not one of the big muckety-mucks who meet you at, a, at the docks when a dignitary comes in. But she still knew she needed to get to Jesus. Her life was a mess. She was sick. She had problems. And, and she decided that she would find a way. And it says that, reading a couple different translations, but it says that she touched the hem of his garment. Now the hem in the context of the original language here is talking about the hem of the bottom of his garment. Now in a crowd with people elbow to elbow there's only one way to get to the hem of the garment and that's to get down in the dirt and to crawl and reach out. All she wanted was to touch the hem of the garment for Jesus. 
There's humility there. There is a spirit of, there's nothing more important right now than this. I, I will humble myself. I'll do whatever it takes. Jesus is the answer for my life. She says, if I can just touch the cloak of his garment, my messed up life will be fixed. So she does. She works her way through the crowd. But then something happens. Right in the, in the middle of this, they are on their way to get to the house where the sick child is for the dignitary. Jesus said, time out. And he slowed down and he said, who touched me? The, the passage. He kept looking around to see what had been done. I, I am convinced the, the main key to slowing down, and I wish I had put this in your notes. You can write this down if you want to. I think love slows you down better than anything else. I, I, I think if you're too busy to make time for a date in your relationship, to, to go out and spend some together time, like you did, you used to, before you were married, when you were dating, then you're just too busy. You need to slow down. And love, love needs to slow you down. And, and, and true love will do that. And Jesus loved people, not just the dignitaries. He loved the woman who was willing to crawl on her knees in the dirt just to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. Now, I've read this over many times, and that's just an overwhelming image I have in my mind of Jesus looking around to see who had done it. And the more I, I read this, the more I realize that Jesus is teaching us of how, and that's what my first point is, is really all about. Jesus is teaching us to slow the pace down so we don't miss what's important. I'm convinced that many of us miss things that God has for us. But the pace we're running, you know, the old slow down, smell the roses. God is doing things for us, but we're in such a big hurry. Uh, tonight's life group connection event. I, I wish I could put it up on the screen. You know, I could somehow transmit what you were thinking and project it on the screen and get full transparency here. But I guarantee a large percentage of you, when you heard that, said, that sounds like a great idea. I just don't have time. And, and I want to propose to you today that, that if you're not willing to slow down, you are going to miss some of the things that are really important. And, and the only way you can really make time for the things that are important is you're going to have to see some of the things you are doing that are not bad, but you're gonna to have to say no to some of the things that are occupying your time so you can do the things God wants you to do. I, I, I shared with you, our team is, is running the Akron Marathon. And I'm gonna ask right now, that the, the Marathon Relay team, would you guys come on up? Uh, they're gonna help us out here a little bit. They are going to share from their insights. Everybody on this team has been a part of a small group and has participated in a life group environment where they have loved others and been loved. And one of the things I want them to do is to share. Rather than me just telling you, hey, this has huge value, I thought how cool if we could just hear from each person one of the greatest values 
they have experienced as a real result of being a part of a life group. So Pastor Randy, uh, he's, man, I'm telling you, uh, it, I love Randy because he is the second oldest member of this team. And, uh, and he has been willing to do this and he's feeling a lot of the pain and, and aches that I am right now. Pastor Randy, tell us, value. Thank you, Ed. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's, there's one reason that we're running this relay, and that's because Pastor Ed said we had to. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, it's been pretty cool to get ready for this, and we're excited about it. And by the way, uh, I don't know if we'll be four and a half hours or so, something like that. But if you want to yeah. come down to the uh, Rubber Duck Stadium and watch us uh, finish up, that'd be awesome on Saturday. But anyway... Um, Talking about life groups, we're kind of a group doing this, and that's cool, but my wife and I have been involved in life groups for, for many years at the different churches we've been at, and I love that video that he, uh, was shown because one of the things that life groups does is it allows us to care for one another, and many, uh, well, several years ago, my wife and I hit a place in our life where we just, we didn't know what to do. We uh, had a really rough spot with our family, um, and we were in a life group at the time, and it was amazing to us how for not just a week or two, but for months, that life group came around us and held us and carried that burden with us. And if you've ever experienced that, Christian brothers and sisters walking with you just at the time you need it, if we hadn't already developed those relationships and been in that life group, we would have been walking through a lot of that alone. Mm -hmm. And kind of the same thing's happening with the relay. I was gonna, There's three long legs and two short legs, not running legs, but you know what I mean. Uh, uh, in the race, and I was going to do one of the longer runs, and my knee has just been giving me fits. And so another person in the group who isn't even really a runner said, hey, I'll take the long one so you can run the shorter one. That's what it's about, is life groups helping where we need help. So I love my brother in my life group, Jason, who's going to take the longer leg so that I can run the shorter one. So thanks, bro. Appreciate it. <laughs> I've pre-registered at uh, Summa Hospital. Yeah. Um, I've got a room waiting for me. So, uh, yeah, I get to run 6.6 uh, miles, and, um, and then we'll see what happens <laughs> after that. Yeah. Um, no, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I think of the verse um, in Galatians 6.2 that talks about carry each other's burdens and that in that you fulfill the law of Christ. And we don't, I don't think necessarily think about that. And from a life group perspective, I, I love the group that, that I've been able to be a part of for the, the last year or so. And that, that aspect has also been, been a piece of that as well. And for me, that's been a part that's been incredibly valuable as somebody that's usually in a teaching role um, to actually be a part of a group where I can just be a part of it and grow and learn myself. In the video, it talked about, um, it, it had that line in there that said, you can't grow spiritually until you are connected relationally. And I think that's a big part of growing in our spiritual walk that we maybe don't value as much because especially as guys, sometimes we, we feel like we can do everything on our own and that, you know, that, that's really just sort of one of those innate things that's built into guys because we're dumb. And so we think that we can do everything uh, on our own and that we don't need anybody. But man, I really value the time that our group gets together and how much I miss it when we don't. Um, in all honesty. And so if you haven't been a part of a group, I'm telling you, you're missing out on something. In that slide, your first point, Ed, about slowing down, 
Um, that's a big thing for me as well because I like to take on way more in, in some ways. He's had to tell me slow down many times. Um, and being part of a group as far as spiritually goes, it will force you to slow down and focus on what's important. So I, I can't value it enough. And um, yeah, be, be here tonight for that. Yes, so. this is good stuff. This is great. Michael. I think with me, um, the, the biggest value that I get out of it is building the relationship with the other men that are in the group. Um, I've had the opportunity to be a part of this group for almost two years now. And uh, it's such a diverse demographic as well. We've got some seasoned veterans. Uh, we've got some college-age students and some high school students. And, and the wisdom that all of them bring is relevant, even, even the high school students, just things that maybe they've experienced and they can share that you haven't. And not only are we studying God's word and really dissecting it, but we're actually growing as men uh, because we are very prideful and sometimes it's hard to open up. But the great thing about this group is that we are able to just open up to one another uh, and just share our thoughts and, uh, you know, just to be able to bond uh, awesome. studying God's word. Awesome. I think one of the things that um, I value quite a bit is the encouragement aspect of a life group. Um, and the coolest thing is, is that it, it doesn't stop on the day that you guys meet. Um, it, it's always going throughout the week, throughout life. I know in our group, we'll wake up to text messages that are just so encouraging to get you through the day. Um, we're always praying for each other. And it's really cool. We, um, we just, in our group, finished studying First Thessalonians. And, and Paul is very much encouraging the people of Thessalonica um, to keep keep pushing, keep doing the things that they're doing. And, and it was so cool as we were studying that as a group, we got to just um, share that with each other and just show love. Because when, when you show love to each other in the group, um, it really does slow things down in your life where that's, if you don't have that, if you don't go to your life group and you don't communicate and connect with them, you, you feel this, this thing that you're missing and it, it kind of pulls you back that love that you create in, in your life group. Yeah, it's good stuff. Now, if you're sitting out and thinking, yeah, I, I think I'd like to be encouraged, that, that value is very real. You wanna connect in a diverse group and, and you wanna learn things from other people you would not have learned, that, that's, a, that's a win. You know, Jason just you know, blows me away with his wisdom and his insights and his pace, honestly, I, I don't know many people in my life that could keep his pace. But that's true in any marathon relay team. Some of us are going to run faster than others. When I run, you will not measure my speed by a stopwatch. It will be a calendar, okay? <laughs> that, that is how fast I'm going to be moving. And, and so, you know, but Pastor Randy, come on. Do you want to wait until you're in a bad spot and need somebody to care for you to go, oh, golly, I should have gotten a life group? And by the way, God wants you to help care for somebody else. This is the way community happens. And so I want to thank the team. Would you guys give it up for them? Just thank them as they make their way back. Now, this, this uh, it's all about the pace, is, is really a two-week. I'm hoping next uh, Sunday after I run on Saturday, I will be able to be back here and do part two. Okay? And I, I'm hoping. But I'm going to wrap up the, the next two points very quickly, and I, and I want you to write quickly because we're going to pick them up next week and move on to the, the second part of this. But there's a question right now. After all we've said here, 
after looking at this first insight, here it is. What am I too busy to do that I know I should be doing? I'd like you to identify. This is a, a two-week message on the, the lesson. It's all about the pace. And so before you come back next week, I would like you to answer this question. What am I too busy to do that I know I should be doing? If join a life group, <laughs> I'm too busy to do that. Then you need to write it down. Be honest with yourself. So that, that's, that's really the first insight here. We really truly are better together. Number two, there, there's in your notes this, uh, I want to continue this thought going to another story in Scripture, but God's pace is not always easy to understand. God's pace is not always easy, easy to understand. Sometimes we want God to run at our pace, or we get going and we wonder why God can't keep up with us. So, so in other words, we, we, what does that look like? Because you're saying that that's silly. But we pray and say, God, I want you to do something. You fill in the blank. And then we wait, and God is not delivering fast enough. And, and whether you admit this or not and get honest about this or not, but many times we get mad at God because he doesn't do what we think he should do when we think he should do it. Now, the next story, I hope you go home and read it. I, I really do. I, I would love to do some takeaway between now and next week. But in John chapter 11, verses 1 through 43 is the whole story. There's this awesome story here that, that is really important to what we're talking about in this lesson. It's all about the pace. But in verse 3 and then verses 5 and 6, here's kind of the heart of the story. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. That's exactly what we're talking about. God's pace is not always our pace. It's not always easy to understand. Did Jesus love Mary, Martha, and Lazarus? Without a doubt. He raised Lazarus from the dead. But they sent a call out, come, come now, quick. This guy, Lazarus, you love him, he's your friend. But Jesus didn't come when they thought he should come. And every one of us here at one time or another have had a moment where God didn't do for us what he, we thought he should do when we thought he should do it. Jesus was teaching them something. And, and I'd like you to write this in and fill this in as a question to think about. This is part two of what I want you to reflect and think about getting ready for next week. Answer the question, how do I accept circumstances that do not fit into my timeline? Honestly, I talk to people every day, at least every week, who are ticked off at God. They, they, they don't like the circumstances they're in. They're angry. They're bitter. They don't like the cards that have been dealt to them. The truth is they're mad at God. Spend some time thinking about that. How do I accept circumstances? Number three, the wrong pace. This story continues, okay? We, we, we have the story. Mary, Martha, major figures in the story of Christ, in the life of Christ. But the wrong pace can make you too busy and too worried. You can get too busy to do what's important because you're doing so many things that are not bad, but they remove opportunities to do what is right. And the result of that kind of pace is you end up stressing and you become worried. Uh, physical, emotional, spiritual fatigue are all the result of a pace 
that is too busy, a pace filled with non-essentials. Let me use that term again, non-essentials. Th things that although are not bad, but they're not the best. Uh, the familiar story here, again, Mary, Martha, the two sisters, one has got it through their head that Jesus is there and they need to be soaking up every word. The other is kind of ticked off that nobody's helping her because she's busy. So here's the verse, verses 41 to 42. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, this is Jesus speaking, Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Would you circle that phrase? There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. He basically says, Martha, take a chill pill. Settle down. Relax. Your sister has figured this out. There's one thing, not 10 things, not five things, not two things, just one thing that's the most important thing. And so the final question I have for you today is, have I discovered the one thing? Have I discovered the one thing that matters the most? Now, immediately you're going to say, oh, Jesus is the one thing. I got it. Check the box. Done. Move on to something else. I'm going way too fast to think about this anymore. I am talking not only about Jesus being the main thing, but what in your life is the thing that allows you to keep the main thing the main thing? If the one thing is Jesus, what are you doing to keep him the main thing? I would propose that a life group is something you could do to keep Jesus the one thing, the main thing. We're, we're going to talk some more about this, but, but here, here let, me, let me wrap it up with this. Would you stand with me? I want to give you one more insight here. If what Jesus said is true, I will give you rest. And if you're not getting a lot of rest now, if you're stressed out most days, you need to ask yourself, how do I slow it down so I don't miss the important things? And in doing so, you need to ask yourself, how do I make time for the one thing? How do I prioritize that? How do I cut out some non-essentials? This is really, boy, from my heart to yours, this is one of the most important lessons I've learned in my life. That I can get so busy with stuff that a year from now will not matter. Certainly a hundred years from now, it will have made no difference. Or I can do the one thing. I can become intimate with Jesus. I can walk with him. I can talk to him. I can be intimate in my relationship with him, loving him and loving others. And in doing that, I can have the life God intends for me. It's your choice. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, please speak to our hearts today. If there's someone here who is not born again, who doesn't know for sure that heaven's their home, please speak to them today. I pray that this would be the day when they ask you to save them. I pray for those today who just got so doggone busy not doing bad things, but just no time for the good things. Lord, I pray there'd be some folks right now who maybe had already made up their mind they were not going to make it back tonight and be a part of a life group. I pray that you'd speak to their hearts and you would draw them into that thing that can help make the one thing more real to them. 
So Lord, speak to our hearts today. Help this closing moment of worship to draw us closer to you. We'll praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.